sides of the story Two sides of the story Two sides of the story With Tom and Sean Welcome to Two Sides of the Story. That is Sean Sides. And that is Tom Sides. What's going on, my dear, my dear cousin? Oh, I'm excited for today's episode. It's going to be a fun one, that's for sure. Yeah, it's a very, it's not often where we have a guest on, but uh, when we usually do, it's a piece of family. So this is like, what, triangle episode number four? Yeah, I'd say five? number four. Number four? Jandiana yeah. Paul. Yeah, Jen Deanna Paul. And so now coming all the way from either Gatineau or Ottawa is our uncle, Michael Sides. How are you, Uncle Sparky? I'm good. I'm good, thanks. Great to be here. It's Great awesome. to be anywhere at my age. You're the first of your generation to appear on our show as well, right? We've only had the cousins. We haven't had any of the uncles come on yet. So you get all to right. be the first. The, the, the privilege is all mine. <laughs> So, Uncle Sparky, the first kind of question I have for you is, do you remember the origin story behind me calling you Uncle Sparky? It was, uh, it was, it was around a Christmas time, mm-hmm. and uh, you had a dog. Your dad got you a dog at Christmas time, and it didn't make it till New Year's. Yeah. And you called the dog Sparky, and the dog, of course, didn't make it. It uh, shuffled off its mortal coil. Sadly, it was. Uh, it was a Sharpe Lab. Yeah. So it was a pretty sweet dog. Um, I think it had kennel cough, something like that. Oh, no. And then after that, you guys started calling me Uncle Sparky. That's that's what I know. I mean, okay. I, I, I was uh, there, there were lots of drinks going on in my life at that time. So there <laughs> might have been another reason, but I'm not sure what it was. I, I know it has something to do with the movie Michael with uh, John Travolta, where he's an angel. And then the dog in that is Sparky. And then somehow through how my mind works you became uncle sparky um so sparky michael the angel sparky have an uncle similar name he isn't always there we'll call him sparky yeah (laughs) (laughs) like i think that happened like when i was like six or seven like that came around yep yeah right around there yeah that's funny i was saying to tom just before we got you on the line here that uh I got to ask you, like, what should I call you? Should I call you Uncle Mike? Or can I be one of the, like, privileged uh, nephews who can be, like, calling you Uncle Sparky or Sparky? Uh, you, you can call me Uncle Sparky. It's 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 interesting living in living in Quebec, you know, um, people will say to me, uh, you know, in French, your name is uh, Michel Cote. I say, hell no. <laughs> in French, my name is Xavier Antoine de Rothschild. <laughs> and they go, what? Is it, are you kidding me? If I have a French name, I'm not going to go with Michel Cote. Yeah. <laughs> you know, give, me, give me a name with some with some pizzazz, you know. Gusto, so, yeah. Yeah, Xavier <laughs> Antoine de la Child. Yeah. That's funny. I, uh, my, if I, if I want to uh, if I want to get the deadpan from my wife, I just uh, I tell her that's who's calling, and, and it gets kind of funny from there. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I always say there's like joke around with people. If I want to make my name sound really funny, it's like Sean Sidez or something well, like yeah, that. Yeah, well, we we uh, we we used to get that a lot. Uh, Sidez in in Quebec, right? Yeah, 
Do you, um, mm -hmm. when you like spell your name out for people, do you say for like S-I-D-E-S, -E like four sides to the room? Do you ever use that one? Like, how do you describe it to people when you're trying to spell it out to people? Uh, well, someone made it very simple for me. Uh, I was at a, uh, a blues harmonica contest and uh, they said, what's your name? So I said my name and he goes, oh, like two sides of beef. <laughs> Bingo. Nice. <laughs> I like that one. That's a good one. <laughs> I like to ask all sides that at some point because we all experience that in different ways and everyone seems to have their own way of describing it. Yeah, I like to do left and right put together. Nice. Well, yeah, yeah um, I, 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 I tend to mess people up by saying as in two of one. <laughs> yeah, that would mess them up. Okay, so <laughs> one side... So if you take two of them, you have <laughs> two, which equals sides. Very plural. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Going back to the, the Sade's thing. So what would happen in, in like the 70s, in the 80s, when we would, you know, we'd have a, a, you would require something on, someone on the phone would require our name. Yeah. So we'd give them the name and then the letter would arrive and it would be spelled F-I-D-E-S. Huh. Okay, so it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then fast forward to the year, you know, 2021, and I'm looking through some stuff, and I come across a book in, in, that was published in Quebec, and it was published by Fides, F-I-D-E-S. So it was, it was a popular publishing company, so the people would think that, well, it can't be an S. It must be an F. That's funny. Yeah. So, it's a, well, that would be like a, a funny peculiar. Definitely. Yeah. It's little oddities like that that are entertaining sometimes with, with names. It's funny, like when people came over from the old country back in the day, they came here and it was word of mouth. And a lot of people ended up with different last names than what they started with because of those kind of miscommunications, right? I, I had a, I, I took a trip through um, upstate New York from, uh, you know, whatever, uh, some little um, border crossing in New York, not in, uh, in, in, in Quebec. Yeah. And uh, I was driving along this road. And so it, a popular name where I grew up was Eau Claire, which was spelled A U C L. A-I-R. Right. So, okay. So then I see one Eau Claire. I go down the road about a mile. There's another Eau Claire, right? O-C-L-A-I-R-E. And then, and then there was derivations of that. And it's like, and all on the same road. That's funny. I'm thinking, oh, that's why they have guns in the States. It's like, <laughs> you know. Big you know, families. Yeah, yeah. It's just like the, the feud, right? Yeah, I don't know why you want to stick with that name. Makes more sense <laughs> this way. Pretty much. Actually, in, in, interestingly enough, in, in names. So, my my wife's name is uh, Helen Tetu. Yeah. So it's T E T E accent T U. Okay. Yeah. So the Tetu family was one of the founding families in Quebec. There's a house in Quebec City with a plaque on it called the Tetu House. Cool. However, ignorance abounds, right? 
So what happens is tetu actually means stubborn. Okay. So stubborn and it's not, uh, it's not nice. You know I mean? So the new Quebec, right. With all the language laws and stuff like that and the proper pronunciation of everything, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they would make fun of her. And so finally she says enough enough of this. I'm not, I'm, I'm getting, I'm dropping the name. Both my parents are died. I'm going to drop the name. Yeah. So I said, well, what are you going to get? She goes, I don't know. I said, you want my name? She goes, no. <laughs> I don't want to have to spell that too. Yeah. So I said, what about Brooks? She says, yeah, I like it. Because like in, um, in, 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 uh, the Quebec, the Quebec government, and you know, you you'll hear a, of, of a guy's name, and it's Robert Burns. Okay, yeah, there was a Scottish poet by the name of Robbie Burns, right? Yeah, it's Robert Burns. Hmm. So it's really kind of funny to have Helen Brooks. So that's what she's <laughs> going for. She's going for Brooks. It's 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 uh, it's going to be kind of interesting. It's like yeah, that is John cool. Smith. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely like an option with people. It's funny, like the sides name, there's a lot of sides out there, you know, and we're all in different parts of the country and stuff like that. It's one of the cool things like about me and Tom getting this podcast together and us forming a relationship. Now we're starting to see like all the different sides and all the different interactions of each of them individually. It's interesting too, right? For a while on Facebook, the- I, uh, so I look up Michael Sides on Facebook and there's, you know, there's a whack of them, right? Yeah. <clears throat> but there was a rabbi. Interesting. So I, took it, so I took his photograph and put it in mine. <laughs> his profile pic. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah, you, gotta, you gotta love rabbis. I mean, they're, they're, they're the best. For sure. Yeah. Always some have interesting you, quips. Have you, have you ever uh, seen uh, Fiddler on the Roof? I believe so. I know the song, or like it's an Irish song too. I don't know if I've actually seen the it's, play. It's not Irish. It's uh, the other ish. It's Yiddish. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. It, it, I didn't know. Yeah, it's Yiddish. So, so in 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 Montreal, um, there's a, a um, an Hasidic neighborhood. Yeah. So the Hasidic uh, Jews, they're they're kind of orthodox. Wear elaborate clothing um uh kind of a fur fedora kind of thing they okay. have ringlets um the women uh blue wear wigs you know it's 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 pretty pretty special yeah and uh i was with a friend of mine and we were we were booging through this end it's like between park avenue and saint laurent at fairmont we'll say and um there's a there's a line from Fiddler on the Roof, the song, uh, If I Was a Rich Man. And uh, the refrain is, zigga, 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 Okay? So here we are in Hasidic town. And my friend goes, zigga, 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 zigga. And I cracked up. But uh, anyway, I guess you had to be there. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> it was still pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
That's funny. You were saying like, uh, just before we started recording, you were saying, I was saying to Tom, like, I'm sure that you and me have met before, but it's been a few moons. Like that mm-hmm. must've been what, 1988, the last time, 89. When was, when would that have been? Do you know the year? Okay. So, uh, so Bernie was born in 28. So if it was his 60th birthday, 88. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, I, I think it was, it seems to me it was before that. I think it was like, because Steve came down when he was, he was just embarking on selling real estate. And I think that was around 82, 83. Okay. It was around there that you guys came down. I wouldn't have been alive yet then because I was born in 84. So that must have been like Jen and Josh at that time period. But yeah, yeah I remember okay. a few times, like when we lived in Ontario still, I remember going to Bernie's and stuff like that, you know, and visiting okay. from time to yeah. time and him coming up at like Christmas. I think it was Christmas, 1989. Obviously I was five years old. So the memories are a bit murky, but I still like very clearly remember that visit for sure. Yeah. I, um, yeah. Uh, the, 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 the thing about the eighties is that uh, if you remember them, you weren't there. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. And so it's, it's kind of the, the, uh, kind of fuzzy for me, you know, the eighties. Yeah. Fair enough. Like, you know, like uh, Thomas, your mom asked me about a, a period of time. Mm-hmm. So when did this happen? And of course your dad was always great with dates, right? Yeah. Like he could tell you, you know, the day that, uh, Gila Fleur got off the bus to play for the uh, the daytime that Gila oh, yeah, Fleur got off the bus to play for the Habs, right? Yeah. Well, it was four o'clock, uh, February second, uh, nineteen seventy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so your mom asked me, she says, "When did this happen?" I said, um, so I gave her a year. <laughs> goes, no, 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 no. We were here then. So I give her another year. She goes. No, I don't think so. I got me. <laughs> you got me. I can't remember. <laughs> you might be asking the wrong person at that point. <laughs> you know, but if you ask me when I discovered Perubu, ah, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> What's Perubu? Oh, Perubu is very special. Non-alignment packed. Um, <laughs> Perubu is uh, is an uh, an art house band from uh, from Michigan, okay. and. Uh, uh, they've been around well you know they were around before 84 mm-hmm. and um <clears throat> their music is uh it takes it's kind of like smoking cohibas you gotta take a special way to listen to it you gotta and, um, <laughs> set aside a whole afternoon just to get it yeah well you know it, I, I i i finally got it with an amazing hangover it was I was going to get orange juice after I moved and it was in the, the tape deck of a van I was driving and it clicked. So, wow, I get this. This is really great. And then <laughs> I, I love became, that about music. And then I became one of the outcasts. Um, I saw them at, at, the, at this uh, great bar. You ever go to Fufun Electric, Thomas? Yeah. Good boy. Electronic? Yeah, I've been there a few times. Who, who, who'd you see? I kind of just go there. I, I've never you went there as a venue. I was always there as like a a bar or just kind of chilling. You can just hang out there. I remember the first the, the first time I went to Fufun Electric. So Sean, just to give you an idea, uh, Fufun Electric 
was uh, the bar that reinvented Black Label. Okay. The, and the uh, beer or the. Go ahead. The beer or the style of. Yeah, music? the beer. The beer, not okay. the band. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> so. The predominant color in this place was Doc Martens and black clothes. Okay. Okay. So here I am. I'm a, I'm a young landscaper. I'm like uh, maybe 21, 22. And we decide, hey, let's go to Fufun Electric. Okay. So I'm wearing uh, army khakis from like 19 war something. <laughs> and uh, a white t-shirt and um, a straw hat. Nice. We walk in and it's like, uh, I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of people who hurt their necks that day because, you know, like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it was very funny. It was the one day that, I, you know, I made an impression on uh, Fufun Electric, but I saw some great shows there. I saw, I saw Fufun Electric. I saw Fufun Electric. I, I saw um, uh, Perubu. I okay. saw, uh, um, I played there actually. And um, what do you play like? Like you play the harmonicas? harmonica? Yeah, I played harmonica with uh, the Hodads. Cool. And um, and we opened up for Jerry Jerry and the Sons of Rhythm Orchestra, which those guys are pretty great. Yeah, it sounds and, like uh, they'd be fun. <laughs> and um, and I saw the Jazz Butcher, and uh, I've, I've I've sent some Jazz Butcher to Thomas. Uh, you may be familiar with um, a little ditty that goes, "Does the elephant have any water?" it's 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 a it's a it's a good song to to sing along with when you're getting ready to go out to the pub interesting i'm gonna yeah. have to write that down what did you well, say it's called it's a, the, the song's called the, the water yeah by the jazz butcher okay the jazz butcher cool i'll check it out it's one of my th favorite things about uncle sparky he's actually always been around for my like musical taste like he's uh, he's always been one to help develop it i know that i went in a little bit of a left turn at albuquerque for some of my musical taste but yeah, like some, but something I remember, about can you east or something <laughs> <laughs> but there was like like i like we saw metallica together which was awesome yeah. but like you've also got me the album for the the hives you you bought me some really cool albums uh i remember it just like just to go like okay well if you like this particular instrument this is this and heavy and then like well, before we went and uh saw uh tragically hip together you bought me like the the hip first album or you had it hanging out and you yeah. bought it out yeah, yeah we listened to it on the way down yeah we listened to it on the way down it was like like okay well we're gonna listen to this album but this is where this is where they started like this is that's like, cool and like, yeah. like the like my like my dad had the knowledge of like the hockey stuff. You want to hear some great music stories and stuff about musicians? Talk to Sparky. He's got he's got them in like we 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 would trade. Me and your dad would trade them. We trade yeah. stories. That's funny. Yeah. It's cool. Like when you get the culture of music, not just the music. Like I'm at a crossroads with a lot of my musical tastes right now because I've listened to everything I love many many times i need new music you know what i mean so when i hear someone talking about them i, I need to check that out then because i need to like uh, broaden my what, horizons what are your that. leanings what are your leanings music wise um i do like i, the mean, I mean you do live genre. in edmonton and i understand edmonton is like next to nashville it's like one of the music capitals of the world is not hey there are a lot of bands come through for sure <laughs> i like yeah, uh, i'm not a big country guy i'm more of a okay. rocker I like uh, soul music too, you know, like 
Motown, it, the old school stuff. Well, one thing that you guys have in common for sure, and Sean's beating around the bush about it, is Bob Dylan. Like, oh yeah, I, I love like, Dylan. He's my favorite of all time for sure. Yeah, he's uh, he's uh, there's uh, there's a, a track of his called uh, "It's All Good," and uh, it's 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 pretty sly, you know. Like he, he gets away with lines like, um, "Hey," and and he gets away with lines like "Restaurant Kitchen." Full of flies, you know. But then on, and then you know, like a verse before, he's saying, you know, the water's so bad they can hard, they can, they can't drink it. You know, they're having a hard time to stay alive. And he's he rhymes rest uh, flies in a restaurant kitchen with lies. And, That's awesome. Uh, but um, his videos uh, of late, uh, for about the past 10, 12 years, like uber violent. It's it's like he's he just he will uh, like there's one called uh, what's it called uh, um, thunder on the mountain. Okay. And uh, and the, the video for it is just like really um, it's, it's conjugal violence, right? Interesting. And, uh, yeah, and uh, the the um, the 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 wife or girlfriend or whatever stabs the guy with a, a screwdriver and then um, jumps in his car and tries to take off. And he's standing, he runs down, he's standing in front of the car. She runs, she run, drives into him. <laughs> nice. And then they fall in love again. That's funny. Oh, so it's, yeah. I haven't kept up on his recent like releases. I'll have to go and dig into it. Some of it. That's what's great about Dylan too, is like, there's so much like every generation of since he's been making music he's a like applied some music to it so you can go and like find yeah. so many different shades of it right yeah I, for me well the uh, big change that where i i mean i liked uh, his um shot of love record and uh because that one was it was it was like the end of his kind of his gospel era yeah and then he did uh you know, a bunch of uh, a bunch of tagging into his his folk roots, and uh, tried to catch on with the new wave movement, and that was a bit of a flop because he's not a matinee idol. And then, yeah. um, and then he did Time Out of Mind with Daniel Lanois. We did Oh Mercy and Time Out of Mind with Daniel Lanois, and they were brilliant. Time, time Out of Mind, mind was like it was it was so great. And he does this song called uh, Highlands. My heart's in the Highlands. And what Dylan was good at back in back in the day after he did his finger pointing music was his stream of consciousness stuff. And uh, My heart's in the Highland is all about that. And it's stream of consciousness. Dylan at his you know at his peak doing it you know as an older man doing the same thing. And then he did um, his last recording, which was. Uh, I think it was uh, I contain multitudes, and uh, it, same thing. Uh, and great songs, and he it, he recorded it during the pandemic. Interesting. So it, it was, yeah, it was really kind of it's a special special listen. And um, I remember talking to a friend of mine about it, and and I, I quoted someone else I knew saying, you know, uh, enough with Dylan. And my friend said, "Fuck him." <laughs> you know, but you know the the thing about Dylan is um, when he won his Nobel Prize, he said this should have went to Leonard Cohen. 
right? Interesting. And, uh, and you know, so it's, and he was, he was always like, he, he would play Cohen tunes live. Right? And so Cohen was like, he, he was the guy that, that uh, Dylan followed. Right? Like there was a lot of different things going on, like the band and Clapton and all that stuff. But yeah. when it came down to, to the writing and getting a point across and, you know, opening the, the pushing back the veil on society, he would turn to Cohen. That's cool. Yeah. It's interesting to think about like where um, someone like Dylan's inspirations come from, right? For what inspires him or what he looks to for that clarity, right? The heroes of our heroes kind of thing. Yeah. It's, 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 it's kind of like, the, I read this biography of, uh, of Picasso and, you know, Picasso always proclaimed that he was the greatest. Yeah. I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest, you know, whatever it's all. And then when he was, in his, his his last years, someone asked him, you know, do you still believe you're the greatest? And he said, yes. But then there's Matisse. So he he gave he gave in because what he would do was he would go to Matisse's house, and Matisse would be painting, and here's Picasso, right? I mean, he had the Napoleon complex and all that jazz. And he's bugging Matisse. And Matisse is like, "We well, get the fuck out of my house. You, you've eaten my food. You've drank my wine. Now go. And he would always be peeking and looking at what he was doing. And then he'd copy Matisse. And he was the only guy that, would, he, was the only guy that he went to for that. Hmm. Right? That's interesting. Yeah. We all have to have that dynamic somewhere, I guess. Yeah, Sean Royds, my coattails pretty hard on this show. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're so funny. <laughs> so Uncle Spark, a few episodes back, I tried to share with Sean some of like because like we're it's it's fortuitous that we're recording to today. Like we were a few days outside of the anniversary of my dad, your brother's death, and no one can make my dad laugh as hard as you could. Like I, this is a I think I I've said for years and like just the dynamic that you two always had whenever you guys would share stories of like the childhood or how you would piss one another off and one of the stories i tried to retell i think i did it terribly is you remember when you had the sounds of looney tunes in your car <laughs> and can you give that yeah, a yeah. retelling for me just to give it like sean perspective <laughs> of the dynamic yeah, of mike and chris because like these stories i grew up was, listening uh, to and dying yeah, so it was uh, Hal Wilner's tribute to Carl Stalling, right? And Carl Stalling wrote um, all the music for Warner Brothers, Looney Tunes, and, and you know, of course, Bugs Bunny and all that stuff. And uh, so I, I was big on this, right? It made absolutely no sense. It was incongruous to everything that was going on in culture at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, if, if you weren't listening to Phil Collins, you were supposedly ostracized. And here I am listening to this, right? And it's, it's, I mean, I'm loving it. I'm reliving, right? And um, I'm driving uh, Chris back home from Montreal. And we're on the West Island and, and uh, we're going down, I don't know, one of the roads that's leading to the Trans-Canada. And uh, I, my girlfriend was in the car. And I don't know if you remember Chris, but he was, he was not a small man. He was, rather robust right <laughs> and so she's in the back seat and he's being very kind right it's like 
do you have enough room back there? And he's he's got his seat up and sport, like his belly is almost against the dash. Okay. <laughs> so we're boogie, and you know, I'm boogieing along the road. It's like, hey, okay, Chris, you know, I'm gonna let you go. And then me and my girlfriend are gonna get some drinks and we're gonna do some mattress gymnastics. Come on, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going <laughs> down the road. And I'm boogieing, going down the road, and then he goes like this. Mm-hmm. And so I just crank it and turn right and he goes up to the windshield. He's windshield and, and what's playing at the time, it's like, you know, like the, the scene from Bugs Bunny where there's like going up and down the stairs, slamming the door, turning the light on. And I'm having to, you know, keep the car on the road while I'm laughing my ass off. But that's not the first time that happened. (laughs) You see, the only time uh, Chris drove was when he was golfing. That's funny. He wanted to drive the golf cart. No, no, I'll drive. He couldn't couldn't even drive a golf cart, right? (laughs) It's like you say, oh, I'm like, (laughs) it was like, (laughs) it was. Kind of like John Candy driving the convertible in uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. Hey, yeah, how's it going? <laughs> Whatever. <clears throat> That's so, funny. And so, uh, so I'm driving the golf cart this time, and we're looking for his ball. He, he had a ball that went somewhere, and we're booking along, and he's looking, he's looking this way, and I'm looking this way. <laughs> And so I see his ball it's over here. So I crank the wheel. He goes, why? <laughs> but the look on his face. <laughs> he said, fuck it. I'm driving. <laughs> That's funny. There's nothing like fucking with your brother. That's one thing like. I have a brother, so I can relate. Like the shenanigans you get up to. There's the relationships with a sister, but when you have a brother, the just the bond and the way that you have a way of messing with each other without words, with just looks and expressions, and it's an awesome the memories like that, right? So the the uh, one of the things is that uh, you know Thomas said he turned left at Albuquerque music wise, right? Uh, I don't know if you know this about Thomas, but he's a great big C fan, right? Can't be helped. Yeah. And uh, so uh, I have uh, uh, one of my ex's daughters is helping me with my business work, work, my assistant. And uh, so she's been exposed to me and to Chris a little little bit, but she's been exposed to my my humor and stuff like that. And uh, she goes, Oh, let me pick the music. Let me, let me, let me. And she's like, no, no. When you have, when you drive, you can pick the music. Yeah. She's no, 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 let me, let me pick, let me pick. So, okay. So I handed my phone because the phone's plugged into the vehicle. We've got the Spotify going, the thing like that. So she picks this thing. She changes it. She gets out of what, you know, I was enjoying. And then she puts on Great Big C. And she's all, she's thrilled. Eh? She's like, fuck out of Great Big C. It's so great. I go, are you fucking well? She goes, what, you don't, you don't like Great Big C? I said, no, I don't like fucking Great Big C. <laughs> what, what? I said, fuck it, give me my phone, fuck it, change it back. I said, 
you can't just you can't just fucking you know put on great big C and and not tell anybody what you're doing. It's like you can't just do that. Put <laughs> great big C on someone, you know, like fuck, I'm not going out for six hundred pints here. You know, I'm going home after work. Really? <laughs> fuck, we laughed. We laughed so fucking hard. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think Buck was there because he, he would have laughed so hard that one. <laughs> but yeah, we were big friends. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thomas Poor has told me stories about that, like the loudness of like Chris too in those situations of like the uh, audacious moments of like in a restaurant. He was telling me the one story of like he'll flip the table over or, like just to make a scene or something like that, you know, in a comedic way. Well, I, I don't know about the table. I wasn't. I, I I didn't see that one. From that one, that was when he was in Champlain, and he told me like oh. he just went in one day after a night at the Golden Lion, and he, he goes into the diner and the, they sit down and he goes, "Can I have a coke?" And they're like, "Is Pepsi okay?" And he goes, "Fuck no!" Flips the table and like leaves. And that was <laughs> yeah, don't, don't don't forget like she, your your uh, your dad's uh, icon were John Belushi. And uh, uh, John Belushi and uh, John Candy. Um, and uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the the John Belushi thing was, you know, uh, like in Animal House, when he breaks Stephen Bishop's guitar, right? Yeah. Was, the guy's singing this song, a thing like that, and then he grabs the guitar and smashes it to shit. Okay. And hands it back to him and says, sorry. <laughs> hey, you know, love that dryness. Yeah, we'll see see where he's pretending to be a zit. Let's see if you can guess what I am now. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah he was... Uh, uh, yes? What do you want from Lucky Luke? What do you want from Lucky Luke? Um... I would have a uh... those are my choices, eh? Right. Okay. Uh, I have a, a poutine. Yeah. Moyen. Please. With a with a Pepsi, please. Or, ordering dinner. Yeah, poutine with Pepsi. That was the last of us. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Thank you. And what, the small French fries for me. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, he was a funny guy. The, um, I find myself in restaurants, you know, like, you know, the, the waitress will come over and she'll say, How is everything? And I said, Fine, why do you want some? <laughs> it's, it's, it's not, and it, and why like, not, we were, right? I love we, it. Why we, not? We went out to, uh, we were in uh, Bay St. Paul and we were in this little town called uh, St. Irene and we're at uh, the St. I restaurant, St. E, right? It's, you know, swelligous place, uh, oak cuisine, Quebec cuisine, everything was uh, locally sourced. It was, it was amazing. Hmm. And um, uh, Helene got her, her meal. I tasted it before she got to it. I said, you're not going to like it. I think there was uh, there were scratch marks in the plate when she was finished, and uh, the waiter comes over and he, the server, sorry, it's a server, it's not waiter, it's uh, okay, mm. it's politically correct, and he says, "Did you enjoy it?" And I said, "No." <laughs> Both their plates were like spotless, right? It's like, 
No, what do you think? Yeah, it's always there, you know. Um, I, uh, I'll bring them with me on days and say, okay, you're coming with me today. Mm. And we have a good day, you know. Mm. Yeah. It, uh, but uh, today, what happened was, I, so I had to go and do some work today in the morning and um i there is a, a new pastry a new uh bakery boulangerie in in my neighborhood and it's pretty swellagous and uh so on my way back i looked to see if there was a ginormous line lineup which there wasn't so i go in and uh you see what we have here in quebec i don't know if they have that where you are or either of you are yeah but baguettes okay and they take great pride in the creation of these things. And I purchased uh, three of them with some pastries. These baguettes, they are like, they're like, you know, uh, it's it, when they're sent in bags, you might as well just send them off to God because they're, they're amazing. And I, I just had a peanut butter and, and, and butter sandwich with this. Thomas, do you remember baguettes? Yes, we, we, they've made their way to Halifax. I'm not sure. I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. Is it a Frenchman that's making them? No, they don't have like what they do have. Um, there's like a, I'm not sure if you know this, but Allison owns one of them or two of them in Calgary, the Cobbs uh, Bread Bakery. I was buying a shirt for your dad one day, okay, mm -hmm. waiting outside of Moore's for it to open to buy a shirt for him. And um, there was a boutique next door on St. Catherine Street, and it was an Italian men's clothing store. So I'm standing outside having a butt, you know, and the guy comes in and goes, what are you waiting for? I said, I'm waiting for that store to open. He goes, why don't you come here? What do you want to buy? So uh, no, I was just going to pick up a shirt. He goes, you buy a shirt from there? It's like buying wood. I, I, don't, I don't get the shirt wood thing, but then <laughs> I looked in his shop and I'm sure that his shirts were a hell of a lot more comfortable and they were like exponentially more expensive. Right? Of course. So, like, nothing against Cobbs. It's it's good stuff. I mean, you uh, you gain the calories just opening the door. <laughs> but it, here we have, like, artisanal bakers, right, that, yeah. are, that are in some competition with some, you know, boulangerie and some uh, minor arrondissement in Paris, right? And unbeknownst to the guy in Paris, they're going to make better bread than him. And the source of, and, and the thing that makes the best baguette is actually the flour, right? So, you know, you can get, you know, five roses flour or whatever, the Robin Hood flour or whatever, right? Yeah. But that's like, that's like buying wood. <laughs> we were, we, we were, we went to Ilokud and there was a mill there, right? On the island. And that flour would make incredible bread that's interesting that makes sense in ways like the ingredients you put into something is what the product you get out of it right how much yeah 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 yeah. yeah. do you cook mike like are you a chef at all in your own way well, yeah yeah I, I i have to be um it's it, it kind of you know i i cook i bake i, I do bread i do uh i do uh jam jelly awesome yeah stuff like it because it's it's just it's fun to do you know? yeah and uh follow a recipe oh that's tough 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, and, and and then afterward, you know, you get you get you get good at it, and then it's just you know you swing it. Yeah, that's how I am. Like I make pizza. It's one of my like the main things that I make for people if I want to make something like like Sean's shtick, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, I had a recipe when I first started making it when I was 18, 19 years old, and that's twenty years ago, you know. And now it's just I know everything in the back of my head. Someone asked me the recipe, and I really got to like stop and think because I'm like, it's just a routine. I don't like what the fuck do I put in it? I don't. I have to be in the kitchen to say like, give me a sec. I got to write this down. I'm really going to like think the process. Yeah, yeah. You just get into robot mode. You're like, yeah, this, this, that, that. That's the cool thing about cooking, right? Well, yeah. And, and Thomas is, uh, Thomas is epicurial also. I have my you know, moments. I mean, yeah. He's eh? told me. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've had some, some of Thomas's food and it's, it's pretty great. You know, um, it's, it's, uh, yeah. It's, 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 it's um, you know, of all the arts, right? The culinary arts, it's like, it's, it's the best, man. I mean, it's, it's as close yeah. to sex you can get with clothes on. I never it's a great that. medium for sure. You know, you know, like you, you feed someone something that's absolutely delicious and they're going to look at you in a whole new way. Right. For know? sure. And uh, I mean, my, my thing is to, um, you know, to look, so what do we have in the fridge and then maybe pick up one or two things that are fresh and throw it all together. Right. And then, yeah. you know, it's, and then there's none left. Yeah. Uh, like, like to, uh, you know, chop up a bunch of veggies and throw some sausages on top and just throw it in the oven with oil and balsamic vinegar. Bingo. There you go. Right. That was always kind of my expertise too, is make, making something out of nothing, taking just yeah. a couple ingredients and like keeping it simple, but like putting things together that you just have you know, and making it into something. That's yeah, and, then, and, it's, and then looking like going to a restaurant and, and eating something amazing and looking at going, okay, I know how they did this. I'm going to do this at home. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it's like, yeah, I, we went to Baton Rouge and they had uh, this beef stew thing. And then it was, it was really simple. And it had uh, like a bunch of the favorite things that everybody in this house liked. So I threw it together and blew their minds. And but you couldn't you couldn't just scoop it out and put it on right and yeah. say okay everybody serve yourself it had to be served that makes and sense that was, that was the other part of it that was you know that that I love doing it's like no no wait no don't keep your hands off of it until you're <laughs> gonna eat it yeah you know? I enjoy that too once in a while like and, uh, we would. It's nice to present it. And when you know how it's supposed to be presented, like making the perfect hamburger and you're like including uh, mushrooms and bacon and everything. And you, it needs to be made a certain way and assembled a certain way so they can appreciate what your vision is. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's like, you know, a, a lot of people will, will hit the frying pan for uh, oh my burger is perfect. It's like, nah, man, broil. Yeah. Broil. And you get a juicy burger. Right. Mm. I mean, that's, 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 it's, it's, you know, a bit more of a mess, but then, yeah. It's a little bit of know, a trial by fire kind of thing, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But you, I mean, you just, then you learn, all right, put aluminum foil in it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, funny. So, um, so I, uh, the other night, uh, uh Thursday night, because, uh, you know, Friday's like a, a half day for me. Sort of thing. So anyway, we, we watched Licorice Pizza. Anybody seen Licorice Pizza? I, I saw the trailers for it. I, I see it on my Amazon Prime. 
is it worth a watch? I haven't seen fucking, it yet. Fucking A. You bet. I mean, there's a Hoffman with this, and it's a good thing. Yeah. Because it just, like, I, I, I had trouble seeing. I just, I just thought it was one of those, like, artsy pizza, pieces for the sake of being artsy. I'm not sure. No, no, no. Okay. Step back. <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Okay. And what was the. Uh, Seymour Hoffman had a, one of his great lines in The Master, pig fuck, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, it, it was, it, he, Paul Thomas Anderson, I, you know, he, he's, and then you watch it once, it's like, wow, yeah, that was, that was pretty good. And then you watch it again, it's like, oh yeah, there's that, that. but the, the cameos in this thing, priceless. Yeah. You know, like uh, you got Sean Penn's in there, um, Uncle Tom's in there. I think Tom Waits stole the movie, but you know it's just me. Well, you're a big and, Tom uh, Waits guy. Like I like I think if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't know who Tom Waits was. I remember watching Seven Psychopaths and then telling you that Tom Waits is in it, and all he does is be Tom Waits in it. It's yeah. unbelievable. And like the inspiration, like I saw like interviews with Tom Waits. There's there's interviews where Tom Waits de- uh, has done, and you can see that there has been inspiration from there where Heath Ledger's Joker's involved. Tom Waits is a fucking character. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a genius. But um, you know the uh, Seven Psychopaths when he's when he's going to kill the guy, right? Hmm. And he calls him up from a phone booth and says, "You've changed. There's something different about you." <laughs> and he just walks away but his clothes his, his wardrobe is like and and so you know i, I think the, you know i saw him down by law and uh uh you know different uh, jim jarmusch vehicles and then uh, and then sea of love when he started doing like these these parts in in different movies right so like sea of love you know was like john goodman al pacino ellen barkin then and then there's Tom Waits, right? And he steals it, you know. Yeah. Like even if you were, you know, you weren't I, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Have you that seen? That was it? great. Yeah, where he climbs a tree and steals the egg. Says, yeah. You got two. You won't miss one. <laughs> and he steals an eagle egg. He's like climbing the fucking tree, and he's going, you know. And then he gets he gets shot. Right? He goes, didn't hit anything important. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, they're fucking brilliant. I'm going to have to so, check yeah, this guy know, out. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, he's, he's, he's pretty good. He's, his, his music is gone. I mean, it's kind of like when Nicholson did uh, The Witches of Eastwick, right? Yeah. You know, Nicholson kind of blew up on Witches of Eastwick. That was, after that, that was pretty much it. I mean, his everything he'd done was was blown out of proportion in that movie, and so right, he he reinvented for uh, the one he won an Oscar for as good as it gets, right? And that's a good movie. And it's it's interesting because there's that one, and did another one with Diane Keaton, same kind of. And I was watching it, and and I was like, wait a minute, man, these these are like. These are like Cary Grant films that he was doing, you know, and he would know that, right? Because, you know, the stuff that he watched as a young man was like Cary Grant and, and you know, Jimmy Stewart and that kind of stuff. 
And he went back to that. He went back to that gentler form, that more subtle acting. And it's like, yeah, dude, you're a genius, you know. Yeah. Of course, they take. Then, of course, there's the Departed. Uh, I the love Departed. that movie. I love yeah. that movie. Uh, that whole scene where he thinks there's the rat, and he's just the gnawing, the like, just Jack Nicholson <laughs> being Jack Nicholson's being. Yeah, I think yeah, you yeah. hear some of the behind-the-scenes stories of what like Matt Damon said Jack Nicholson actually did that didn't make the cut is just really good yeah. stuff. Like, there, like there's some like deleted scenes or uh, some uh, what is it called? Uh, imp- improv, uh, improv that Jack Nicholson does, and you're just like, "Holy fuck, Jack, that's dark." Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there was a the story of. Uh... The the guy, um, uh, uh, what the hell he did? Um, Las Vegas, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. He was the writer who did Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, oh, um, Hunter S. Thompson, that you mean, like, yes, yeah, Hunter S. Thompson. Okay, so in Hunter S. Thompson, in his his later years, right near the end, before he swallowed lead, um, he, uh, he parked outside Jack Nicholson's house in Mulholland Heights, right? And um, he had uh, like a fireworks set up in the back of his Jeep and he was firing it at Nicholson's house at two o'clock in the morning. Sounds like him. And Nicholson was extremely tempted to call the cops, right? Because at this point, like Nicholson's a senior citizen. It's like, fuck, it's a <laughs> You know, and then uh, of course, soon after that, he he uh, he couldn't. He did the the writer death, you know, like the yeah. Ernest Hemingway cash out. Which is, yeah. It was he, he planned on that, right? It, he was his hero, so he planned on doing the same thing when he could no longer live the life he wanted to live. There was there was another writer uh, in the in the '60s. Uh, he was called the psychedelic Ernest Hemingway, and. Uh, uh, like he wrote a book called In Watermelon, Richard Brodigan, uh, In Watermelon Sugar, uh, Trout Fishing in America, a bunch of different stories. And, and you know, like it, time well spent, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he was he was a beautiful writer. And uh, he, like he, one of his poems is uh, called A Secret. Uh, no, what was it? Was it A Secret? What's it called? Oh, yeah, a secret. Two stories standing in pajamas talking to one another. <laughs> you know? So it's, I mean, it's that stuff and you, you grab it and you keep it, right? It, 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 uh, it does like somersaults in your soul and you keep going. You yeah, know? It, that it, makes it was sense. Good and he blew his brains out, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, whatever fame and LSD will do that, I guess. And yeah, too much, too much up top sometimes, I guess, right? Must be. Well, Americans Americans get caught up in themselves like way too much, right? Like they, I think Alanis Morissette did it right at the, at the height of her um, success. You know, she was okay. So her mother said, "Okay, you're feeling pretty good now. You're the top of the world. Let's go to India." So she went to India and she, you know, worked on people who, uh, you know, Sister uh, Teresa was working on. Yeah, you know, that to help the poor in the gutters of uh, where is it? Uh, where were the uh, well, it wasn't Mumbai, but anyway, it wasn't a, 
a really swellingest place. And then she did that. She did that for like a whole pile of months. And, you know, gotten, and that's, you know, that's what Americans need to do. They, they need to go to Africa, not to hunt tigers, but to help people out. Yeah. You know, listen to stories, build huts, you know, feel do, community, you know, right? Build, build water pumps. Get back to like normalcy. Yeah. And there's, there's this interesting movement uh, that I've been hearing about. Um, and it has to do with altruism. And it has to do with like, there's a movement, it's an altruism movement uh, going on where, you know, it's suggested that, okay, so whatever your basic income is, you know, hold on to that. Uh, whatever, you, whatever amount of money covers your basic needs, hold on to that and give the rest away. Yeah. Now, okay, so like you're not talking about, you know, um, being a, uh, a, a early childhood educator, right? They're talking about if you, the idea is that you go to university, um, get a, get you know get it get your uh, your degree in economics or whatever and rather than you know going to you know become a you know a, a doctor of note um going to finance and make a boatload of money and give it away you know find charities that are worthwhile and give it away and so you know there's this movement going on on the one side and on the other side there's this other movement uh, that sort of David Bowie kicked off back in the nineties. And what Bowie did, which was interesting was he said, okay, <clears throat> I'm going to sell bonds of my, of myself. I'm going to sell shares of myself. And he sold these shares of himself based on his future earning capacity. And he got like 50 million bucks. So with that 50 million bucks, he was able to buy his back catalog, which in turn, fueled his future earnings right so what they're saying now there's these, these guys called the Liebermans and they're in the states around LA something like that but they, they also have a big uh, you know following in New York with high risk venture capitalists and what they're saying is okay so if you're a young you're a young individual and uh, you want to you want to do well you want to achieve certain dreams but you're um, financially uh, not there. Yeah. So, you know, expose yourself to, you know, to selling shares of yourself and, you know, achieve some of these things. And even if, you know, let's say, for example, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, it's Thomas, let's say Thomas, so let's say Thomas want to take on Mayflower moving, for example. Okay. So he wants to take on Mayflower moving. He sets up himself as like the mover of note and he gets like uh, 150 grand. All right, but then you decide, oh, I want to open up this very unique octopus restaurant, right? Where people can eat the benefits of octopus and health, you'll get better and all this stuff. So then he lends you 50 grand of the hundred that he made. Yeah. So he's taking, he doesn't lend it to you, he's taking 50 grand shares, right? <clears throat> and you do amazing and his moving business goes bust. So <clears throat> you can short him right and make money and, and and everybody and then the the, the with mixed in with the altruism it's like it's eradicating poverty right it's interesting and it's eradicating um it's eradicating <clears throat> like sickness that's oh, fuck, that's 
I mean, polio is coming back. Why is it? Is it ignorance or, you know, I mean, there's, uh, what is it? There's blindness. There's, uh, in Africa, there's, uh, you know, stomach um, parasites that, you know, if it's cured, then these people can go and, you know, find a cure for cancer, right? Because they have the ability to do it. The opportunities, it's like the opportunities of education in impoverished areas is like those people might be the like the leading people to learn something about humanity that we don't know yet that can enlighten all of us for generations to come, right? Education, physical fitness, and a good diet. That's what people need to survive. 100% right? true. You know, it's, it's funny it's when you really see like... At this, at this time when, you know... Uh, billionaires are are fighting over uh who's going to get the biggest super yacht you know there's this other thing going on where people are saying okay so what how can i best help people and and it's and it's a consideration as they go through to start you know they're going to start their life it's not like okay well my parents had you know they bought a two-door house in uh, the burbs uh, they sold it for a million bucks i think if i do that then you know we'll be okay when i'm 70 no they're not considering that part they're considering what their use can provide to make the world a better place yeah you know which i I think that if i had if i hadn't been so drawn to you know breweries and distilleries at that age perhaps you know it would have been something that i would have grasped onto but it was it was a hell of a lot of fun yeah (laughs) it is interesting like figuring out how to navigate through life right and like what do you really need like when it comes to wealth and like pursuing millions of like shit you don't need right there's a fine line where you can like rest in an area of being comfortable and being content while still having the room to like help other people and you know like you say well when when you when you like this this whole idea of minimalism right I am I am absolutely shitty at minimalism. I think it's it's because I forget where I put things, but it you know it, it's the idea of what do you really need? Yeah, you know, and, and when when we when we consider that, it's like well, you know, shredders are good, but I just for some reason I have stuff over everything, right? And and it's distracting. And I think well, if if I didn't have all these things all over everything, perhaps I could, you know, do more. So that's, that's why we get get into that, right? But it's that idea of, of having a space to think. You know? Yeah. And, and, and so we, when we consider what we really need, we get that place to think. That makes sense. I've actually, I, I've talked to Tom about this and I, I realized this recently, like I quit smoking four months and six days ago. I smoked for like 20 years, a pack and a half a day, heavy, heavy smoker. So now I have all this extra mental space because I'm not spending time thinking about when I'm going to have my next cigarette. So it's kind of enlightening in that way for me where I'm like, I have a lot of extra brain space right now and I'm allocating it to these different things and different projects and like trying to learn. Hello, I'm on a Zoom right now. Um, Do you want your puts in here? No, I'll I'll come down again. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, Coke is in the fridge. Thank you. So the, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting you talk about pack and a half a day and uh, at one point in my smoking, like uh, Bernie, uh, as you know, grandpa, he was a professional smoker. 
<laughs> he smoked uh, three packs a day. He would That's punctuate insane. his sentences with smoke. Okay. And um, so one day he says, uh, Michael, how much do you smoke? I said, I don't know, maybe 14, 15 cigarettes a day. So what's the point? <laughs> Are you even trying? <laughs> you know, and uh, someone asked me, Mike, do you smoke? He said, well, I haven't smoked in 10 years. And, uh, you know, and, and people would come up to me and they say, well, Mike, I understand you haven't smoked in 10 years. How did you stop? What did, what did you do? So I didn't do anything. So what do you mean? So not smoking isn't doing anything. You're not doing anything. You're not doing anything. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's exactly you're, it. You're, you're just not, not you're doing, doing it. Something. You're not doing something. So yeah. it's like, and uh, yeah, but the, the, the crazy thing about quitting smoking is that I put on 10 pounds immediately. Did you? I lost 30 within like the last three months. Good for you. But it's because I'm like, I'm doing shit. Like, I, I think oral surgery still. had to do with that, Sean. Like, I think you had a, like, that helped with, like, the not smoking. Also, having oral surgery stops you from eating a little bit. <laughs> I had to eat soup, which was just terrible. <laughs> uh, when I went for my uh, hernia operation, they were big on Jello, And so I had purchased Jello, and it was in the house, you know. And uh, Helen's daughter, Sophie, looks at me and she says, would you like some Jello?" And my answer was, fuck you. <laughs> like, after, you know, after a point with the drugs that they're putting into you, the painkillers and stuff like that, the Jello takes on this kind of metallic taste to it. And, you know, when you when you eat something, when you're recovering from something like surgery or some sickness, you never want to revisit that. It's like hundred percent. It's it's like you know it brings you back there. Yeah, too. it's it's like the 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 twenty four beer girl you met in the bar. That's like, uh, yeah, no, I don't. Do I really know you? I don't. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah, and, that's uh, a very very fair fact. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, I got. I, how, how's your bicycle, Thomas? Uh, it's good. It's good. Uh, it's it's in Montreal right now, but I took it for a ride. I was there recently just for a quick in and out trip of uh, uh, seeing Marty because he just had a second kid. Sorry. No, no worries. Uh, so he just had a second kid, but I took it out for a quick stroll. You 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 go for a quick stroll. Well, I took it for a quick ride when I was in Montreal. Like, it's still there. I got to figure out a way to get here. I when I left. Do you, do you work for Air Canada by any way, by any chance? I, I do. It's just and to did, get a, did like did freight, something like that. I hear they ship things. Yeah, yeah. They do, yeah, but or, yeah. it's a complicated process. And they got I a new plane for there for freight, that. Actually. It's a whole thing. They, I saw that they got a new plane for freight. It's like this big seven sixty seven something. Yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I think your bike might fit on that actually. My bike and my my summer tires would both fit on that. Yes, it's an interesting <laughs> prospect. Yes, there's there there is a onslaught of things in Montreal that I need to bring to Halifax. But yeah, I'm but yeah, I understand. I understand your point. If you bring a small enough bag, you have to keep going back to get more. Yeah, and like <laughs> and I only travel in Montreal. Yeah, I but I always I I only travel with a carry on bag because there you like when you fly standby, you run the risk of not having your bag with you uh, so 
and but, and uh, and so Marty's dad again. Yeah, he's got the second kid, little Jade, second daughter. Beautiful. So, you know, women are everywhere. His dog, his wife, his daughters. It's uh, that's funny. He's yeah, outnumbered yeah. severely. It, 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 yeah, it, everything, every everything will be good until like they turn six and four, and then that's he's done. Pretty he's much, like he's 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 done. He's gonna then, be very tired. Yeah, well, already no, really tired. Like even even if they even if they do play hockey, right? Well, there's a there's they a five year age gap between to... the two of them, eh? Okay. So Paige is just turned five, and then the new one is a week before Paige's birthday, so huh. like four years and fifty one weeks. So, but but either way, you know, in uh, eleven twelve years, he's going to have to buy a Remington. <laughs> yes. Right, and I think if if I know Marty the way your dad explained him to me, I think that that would be like the lesser evil for the guys coming to visit his daughters. (laughs) (laughs) He's already told me the uh, first time Paigey's coming has a first date. I have to fly in just to interrogate the fellow with him. That's funny. What are your that whole scene from Bad Boys Two? It's Reggie. (laughs) What what are your What are your prospects? That's always the good question. What are your prospects? (laughs) Because of course now no one knows what the fuck that means. Yeah, that's true. And but it's if you get the look right, it's clear there is no room for negotiation. (laughs) So what's the weather like in Edmonton? Edmonton in uh, Eddie Town. It's been hot. It's been really hot. The last like summer started out super rainy, but from July, like I want to say July 10th on, it's been gorgeous. Lately, it's been plus 30 almost every day, like too hot, but right. it's good. We had uh, about uh, five hours of torrential rain yesterday. So that was interesting to watch. I'm glad it wasn't in it. And Thomas, how, how what's the way? It's a Canadian question, right? Yeah, yeah it's a good question. Uh, it's, you know, it's been hot and muggy. Like, we do have our rainstorms. Like, earlier in the week, we had a nice big uh, rainstorm throughout the day. Uh, but it comes and goes. But when it rains, it's fucking hot, too. It's like, you can actually see the rain kind of steam. Like, it's it, it's a very well, it's weird like mix. Like you don't Caribbean. get cold weather with the rain. It's, it's very odd. Yeah. So the Canadian Caribbean, is that what's happening? Uh, <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I think. But I, I think you're going to be, because uh, Uncle Sparky's going to come visit next month. And I think you're coming at a nice time where things are going to cool down and everything's going to. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming for I'm coming for hurricane season. Nice. <laughs> when things cool down, yeah, it's a little windy, but don't worry about it. That was a tree. <laughs> they don't call him Uncle Sparky for nothing. You might as well get in there, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's cool. Um, it's funny, like there was a maybe like two hours of rain today and it was the first time it like cooled off my dogs went outside and they're both kind of like what the, what the hell's happening right now we haven't what, seen what, this stuff what in dogs a while. Do you have? what's that sorry what dogs do you have two basset hounds okay they're a good dog me, me and basset hounds do not get along really why is that fuck ask them <laughs> fair enough and, and 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 for some reason rottweilers either Really? Rottweilers, I'll, I'll approach a Rottweiler and say, hey, how's it going? The thing is, I'll fuck off, I'll tear your hands off. Really? Interesting. I have a friend who has that issue with uh, German Shepherds. 
and Cocker Spaniels. Those two breeds fucking hate him. It's the weirdest yeah. thing ever. Yeah. Well, I mean, but then, you know, my dog, my uh, Husky Shepherd, yeah. will see a dog walking down the street and want to, you know, rip its throat out. So, it, you know, some dogs, yes, some dogs don't. Yeah. And, uh, and so I think that humans have that too, that in you know, relationship with dogs. It's an energy thing too, right? Just the way people perceive themselves or put themselves out there. I don't know what it is. We go to this dog park and there's a, this husky mix that I call wolf dog. And the first time I met this dog, it followed me like almost all the way around this huge park. Like it's the park is like around three kilometers, right? And it yeah. followed me. The owner's like, ah. <laughs> And meanwhile, this dog's, hey, you know, you're really great. I like you and everything. It's, I like you, wolf dog. <laughs> Every time I go to the park, the dog comes racing to me. I go, hey, wolf dog. Hey, hat guy. You know, it's... <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the dog cool. relationships we get to have in this life are pretty wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, sadly, uh, Thomas's dog doesn't know how to drive. So No. Wow. He's uh he's being a bodyguard for Shelly in Montreal right now. <laughs> Very good. Very nice thing to have. Yeah. Uh, we, one of our dogs, the uh, Maltese Yorkie, has uh, allergies, and so he needs a cortisone shot. Oh shit! And uh, the vet, you know, it comes you know booting in. Like I don't know what kind of drugs he's on. Maybe none, but maybe it's just autistic. I don't know, but. Comes in, you know, big high energy, high thin, thin, thin. Okay, so we're gonna put this thing in the thing. And so he says, You hold the dog. I said, Yeah, right, good idea that, eh? <laughs> so I'm holding the dog, and the dog's ready to turn my my juggler, right? Because he's got this needle in his ass. <laughs> and then he says, the vet says, Oh, wait, there's still some left. I didn't get you didn't get it all. And he shows Helen the needle and it's bent. So our, our dog's a little fucking pissed at this guy, right? But not taking it on him. <laughs> on the guy that's holding him so helen holds him and he goes no problem. it's like fucking no problem Are you fucking i got the there got the bruise right here it's a, that's go shape not cool it's, it's worst things happen at sea you know that's, that's fine the, that's that's the saying worst things happen at sea yeah Oh, uh, Sean, I know you had a couple like uh, quick random Q&As from Uncle Sparky. Do you want to shoot them off real quick? There's just one quick thing. I was listening to the national broadcaster the other day, uh, the show Q, and um, Seinfeld was on, okay? And so we know that the guy that hosts Q, I mean, when it comes to interviewers, I think the word milk toast comes, comes you know, I mean, he's he's... He, he does the Canadian thing very well, but yeah. not very sharply. Anyway, so he says to uh, Seinfeld, he goes, okay, quick question. And Seinfeld goes, I love that, quick question. What is a quick question anyway? And he starts he starts taking them to task on quick questions. Listen to your quick questions, see the K sounds. Anyway, there's no <laughs> such thing as a quick question, is there really? No, no, not really. It and depends so, on the question, I guess, right? <laughs> no, not really. And so then the... Um, the announcer goes, okay, brief question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're taking, you're, you're taking, you're on the same stage with Seinfeld. You think you're going to come away with any blood? I doubt it. 
you know. Very, okay, very so, good point. Okay, Q&A, go ahead, Sean. Well, we covered a lot of it while we were running through. Um, for who's your favorite sci-fi hero? Do you have any sci-fi heroes or superheroes you grew up with? Like, what are you into with that kind of stuff? Did you have any inspirations from that kind of thing Blade or not Runner. really? Blade What's Runner. that? Blade Runner. Blade Runner? Okay. That was a pretty cool one. Did you watch like uh, Star Wars back in the day? Star yeah, Trek, I mean, any of that? Yeah, but it, it, it didn't. Uh, I mean, I, I, I started watching in my 30s. But when it, when it comes to sci-fi, Decker, you know, Decker was the guy. Okay. That's a distant yeah. memory for Is me. Decker a replicant, Sparky? No. Okay. Because it depends on the director's cut, well, which director's cut you watch. You may think otherwise. But you see, my my friend Ryan, Ryan was a replicant. Yeah. I never saw 2049 or 2149 or whatever year it was. Okay. Do me a favor. Watch it in a cinema. Okay. Before you watch Dune. Okay. It's, 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 I mean, if you watch, if you, if you have the chance to see the double feature, mm-hmm. you know, do the Benzedrine, do them both. But it's like, it's, it's such a beautiful thing. Truly it is. Okay. It'd be cool to see that like beautiful that. Movie. Okay. Very cool. Question. Yeah, no, I think like I've learned a lot. Um, one of the other things, I guess, um, what's your top like interest at the moment when it comes to like music, I guess it's a good question. What, what's like really sparking you right now? Nice pun. It wasn't intended, but it worked out well. <laughs> um, right now, I, well, I, for a while I was into um, uh, 60s uh, Afro jazz and okay. um, uh, 60s uh, like Turkish jazz from that, from that area. It was very, very funky. Um, you know, and and a lot of uh, a lot of American jazz musicians ripped it off. Um, you know, d- different things like that. Um, so there there was that, and then um, and then I happened across uh, a little band, a uh, couple of girls called Mr. Airplane Man, and uh, I like those guys a lot. I'll check them um, out. And there's there was a there's like a posthumous Dr. John album. That uh, came out with a bunch of did a bunch of duets. That was it was really good. They did a, a great version of uh, "Walking on Gilded Splinters." Uh, Willie Nelson's son, Luke Nelson. Um, Interesting. Uh, what else? What else have I got going on there? Um, yeah, it, it, it you know it's, it's pretty seasonal. I, I go through periods where um, and I don't want any lyrics. You know, I'm just tired of lyrics, right? So yeah. Um, Always a big fan of Philip Glass, uh, and, and and you know it, it, Philip Glass, an interesting guy. If you you look at the soundtracks that he's done, you know you'll come across a a, a really great documentary called uh, The Thin Blue Line. And uh, when you hear his music in that movie, and then you hear his music, you know, uh, in some other situation, it brings you right back to the movie, and then you get that whole glow. Of the of what was what the, what transpired in that movie, and you have to shake it off pretty hard. It's 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 really it's pretty. He's, he's I, I we uh, I, I caught on to him with uh, uh, a movie called Koya Nascazzi, which is uh, Hope Before Life Out of Balance. And um, if you have the opportunity to see it, 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 it blow your mind. And and bear in mind that when you're watching it, all those people are dead. <laughs> 
you know, because it was shot, it was shot in the late seventies, early eighties. Interesting. All those people are dead. Right. Yeah. But it's I'll just, look into that. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's what it is. It's shot in, in fast motion, the whole thing. And, uh, and then there was the, the director that did coin Scots. He did a couple other movies. And, um, I saw the third in his series at a, at a private screening in Montreal. And uh, well, you know, the, it, was, it was showing the, the effects of, uh, pretty much the effects of power, right? And uh, it, uh, it panned through the uh, Holocaust Museum in Berlin. And in the Holocaust Museum in Berlin, it's just shoes. Yeah. Uh, with this one area I haven't been, but in the- I've seen that, yeah. Shoes. And uh, in the cinema, people were openly weeping. Uh, very, uh, yeah. It's um, I have a I have a feeling it was the same director that did Thin Blue Line that did those other movies. Awesome. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, you know, like Nina Simone is always great. Uh, I just got into her actually. Yeah, um, Sinner Man. It's like a really yeah, long yeah, song. Yeah. Yeah. Just the did, highs um, and the lows of that, like. It's really fucking good. I, I just started showing, like, uh, I tried to show Hillary some of Nina Simone the other day. Really? Yeah, yeah, because, like, pop culturally, Hillary doesn't, like, listen to much or know much. Yeah. And, like, I like I played some Nina Simone the other day, just uh, feeling good was just, like, the one, like, yeah, you yeah, yeah. in, but it's just... I don't like, know much. I just discovered, like, her recently with uh, Sinner Man, and it's just, like, such a ride that that song takes you on, where, like, you know, yeah, the lyrics, and then the no lyrics, and it's, like, really low, and then it's, like, and you're, like, it's intensity, and then it's, like, calms back down, and it's, like, what a ride. That's one of my favorite things about Spotify, is that if you find something obscure or something you haven't heard in a long time or something new to you, you can now find more like that just by hitting a button. And yeah. it's fantastic. Like Sparky sends me a Spotify song once a week or every couple of days. And I, I give, I give it a listen. And then like, it's usually when I'm on like a walk with the, uh, like either Hillary's dog or I'm on my own little walk or I'm doing something, but like, they're always like, it, like I haven't heard something like it, it's always something obscure, but it's always relevant. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. I, I, That's cool. I like songs too. Uncle Sparky just saying. <laughs> oh, there's there's one guy that um that I, I mean I'm a big fan of uh his name is Greg Brown. Uh Greg Brown's really great um uh singer songwriter, uh James McMurtry, uh you know Steve Earle, of course. And uh, you know, Earl. going down going down those roads, right? Yeah. Um and um yeah, there's just I mean my my light uh songs, I think I got like I'm pushing five thousand. Yeah, yeah, that happens to the best of us. <laughs> yeah. And I have a I have a shared list with Sophie, and I think there's like, uh, I think there's a week's worth of music on there. Nice, that's uh, good to have though. Like we need that. Like music speaks to our soul in a in a way that, like you said about food earlier, it's like when you have something that talks through us, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, and then there's and then there's poetry, right? I never gotten into poetry a whole lot. I like uh, rhymes, though. He, Rhyming is fun. So he, what Tom Waits said was that he said um, writing the Internet has made writing so horrible. There is nothing there will be nothing left to describe our pain. <laughs> right? And it's important. It's important because when, when, you know, when we read when we read poetry, we're able to 
um, we're able to identify, right? It, it brings us to a place where we can identify. Like reading a novel is like running around a mansion, right? Yeah. To get meaning and understanding and knowledge and truth. Reading a poem, you're sitting in a room. That's it, hmm. right? Interesting. And bam, it, it comes. Um, you know, we, there's a... Oh, we got we got well we got we got Lenny for one right, but uh, yeah, the, uh, uh, I have a pile in my in my in my uh, playbooks. James Wright is is one of one guy one American poet that I, I'm really digging right now. Uh, um, and there's there's the guy from Virginia. Uh, just a sec. Yeah, uh, it's it's good to to have. Um, uh, poetry, or uh, you know, anybody. It's a cool um, thought, like what you're saying about like having an interest like that, or me not being exposed to much yeah. poetry. It'd be fun I, to like have a look it, at it. It's funny that there's a like there's some great Tom Waits quotes. I I sent this one to uh, Sparky a, a little while ago, and it's one of my favorite ones. It's uh, a gentleman is someone who can play the accordion but doesn't. Doesn't. Yes, <laughs> on, on a live album. Uh, he has this great one where he says, you know, uh, people always ask me, well they, well, they ask me enough that I'll remark upon it. They say, they say, Tom, is it possible for a woman to get pregnant without intercourse? And, and my answer is always the same. I say, we have to go all the way back for the Civil War for this one. And it seems, it seems that the, uh, the bullet from a, a, a Union soldier uh, penetrated the, uh, the testicle of a, a Yankee soldier who was and then penetrated the ovaries of a woman who was a hundred feet from him at the time. Now the baby was born very happy, guilt-free. Um, a soldier was a little pissed off, and, and he says, uh, "It's actually, it's actually, you know, a form of intercourse. So uh, maybe for those who love action, maybe." <laughs> Yeah, such a, um, I hope you deep dive Tom Waits because like whatever you get from him, it's oddly peculiar. But I'm gonna have a lucky Lou. It sounds odd. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. I have a lot of things to look up and check out. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, and and you know, like uh, follow the wormholes. Eh? It's like uh, definitely. Um, let's see here. Uh, Sam Shepard. Sam Shepard, uh, he, uh, um, his, like he wrote one movie that was uh, seminal in, in my life, you know, other than like The Godfather and Apocalypse Now, was a movie called Paris, Texas. I highly recommend Paris, Texas to anyone and to watch it on a huge screen soundtrack by Ry Cooter, um, directed by Vin Vendors, who, uh, the far away so close and um wings of desire which is another great movie um but uh yeah sam shepherd wrote the script and it's it's just incredible uh they had in one scene there's a panavision uh 30 35 millimeter camera in the back seat of a 84 cutlass so as this car is pulling in in the rain into a, um, a restaurant parking lot, that that windshield is all you see on the screen with the windshield cool. going. 
it's it's anyway it, it, it's uh, it's a great movie yeah and, that sounds uh, interesting i wrote it down it sounds familiar 1984 19 yeah 1984 is 20 when i saw it, it changed my life hmm. very um, very interesting they play any instruments sean just my voice i like to sing karaoke stuff like that but i'm no musician i don't have the patience to learn the skill i'm waiting for Neuralink where you can just have the information in your head, how to play the instrument, then I will I proceed. Have that. What's that? I have that. Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> I, I, I play harmonica that way. Nice. I like to sing, like I'm not good at it by any means at all, but just like I have a passion at times for it because it makes me feel good. Like yesterday, actually my fiance, Crystal, she was like, what the fuck happened to the mirror in the bathroom? I was brushing my teeth after having a shower and I was like screaming Bob Dylan singing it while brushing my teeth. And I didn't realize that I was shooting like stuff out at the mirror. So I walk in there. And, oh crap. Sorry. I, I went and got the Windex and cleaned the mirror off, but I just something about singing music. It's, it strikes me, you know, it's it quite, quite an image. And, and you know, uh, Beck, when he started out, you know, Beck. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So when he started out, um, similar to, you know, spitting toothpaste all over the mirror. Um, he um, he covered the stage in leaves, okay? So this is in a, in a nightclub, a small nightclub. Yeah. And then brought in a, a leaf blower and started blowing the leaves all over the place. <laughs> so not only was it like a stupid amount of noise, but the place filled up with carbon monoxide. Right. <laughs> similar to like toothpaste on the mirror kind of. <laughs> it's art as well as uh... Uh, here, here's the thing right choir do you listen to any choirs i do at times it's um i love choir music my fiance does as well she's thought about joining a choir anytime a choir performs she it, starts crying it. the thing about when you join a choir is you'll meet people and if you're nice to them they'll feed you <laughs> and, and, and you get the same so it's perfect yeah that'd be a cool crew to fall into at some point for sure yeah I would definitely uh, go down that road isn't Kieran's um, mom in like a choir kind of thing yeah she is in like a seniors choir they do like christmas performances and stuff we always go every year to check out her her uh shtick it's pretty fun there was a there's a british band uh what the hell are they called? not kaiser wilhelm uh Anyway, when I was in England, um, the, the band, the band leader's mother, the vocalist's mother, was in a choir, and they covered their song, their hit single at the time, for a Christmas show. Right? It was brilliant because he, that's cool. I, I, I used to be, I used to go to this church on Tuesday nights, and um, uh, I would set up stuff set up a meeting and upstairs the choir would be um singing away and for like two months i would walk in on them singing hallelujah <laughs> it was it's kind of fun, but it's it's like you know community right for sure community. hearing you know, everyone's voice come together is just crazy and like knowing where you fit into that spectrum of singing as well because they know more about vocals than i have any clue about too right mm -hmm. so it'd be cool to see like and uh, you don't you shouldn't sing that you should sing this like, oh okay good to know right it's also cool how much like a choir yeah. like does to an actual song when you add them to it yeah yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. No, that's definitely cool. My my dog is is staring at the door, wondering why it won't open. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's trying to tell me something. Yeah. Well, I know you got your puts in there waiting for. I was going to say the poutine's probably getting cold. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it never goes bad. That's true. More ketchup season. And ketchup and pepper never goes bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll let you wrap up right here, Uncle Sparky. It was awesome having you. Like for you sure, gave so many good stories. So like so much stuff to deep dive for ourselves. I I I think this was this was great. Like, yeah, I, it was awesome. Yeah, we can we'll, keep doing this like another hour we'll, to be we'll honest. Have, with you. We'll have to, yeah, we'll have to do it again. And um, you know, uh more more caffeine fuel hilarity. <laughs> Most definitely. We need to go review some of these notes and check out these guys and then come back and be like, holy crap. Yeah, yeah Uncle Sparky's a fucking asshole. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Um wasn't for us, but uh thanks for the recommendation. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, so yeah. I'm not sure if you've like listened to the show at all, uh, Uncle Sparky, but we I, have a way. I have. There's, there's typically a great deal more swearing on it than there was this this episode. I've tried to convince Tom to stop, but he just won't. As we end uh, every show, we'll uh, say our name and say this has been our side of the story. So if you join us in on that, we'd, uh, we'd love to have you. Sure. So, uh, uh, Sean, you want to wrap things up? Sure. So... Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. That's been Two Sides of the Story. My name is Sean Sides, and that's been One Side of the Story. I'm Tom Sides. This has been One Side of the Story. And I'm Mike Sides, and that's another side of the story. <laughs> awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Have a great week, everybody. Live long and you prosper. Too. Take care. Stay healthy. Two sides of the story. Two sides of the story. Two sides of the story. Tom and Sean. Thanks for listening to Two Sides of the Story. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Follow us on Instagram at Two Sides of the Story, on TikTok at Two Sides of the Story Pod, and if you want to send us an email, send it to Two Sides of the Story Pod. That's the number two sides of the story pod at gmail.com.